Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 186 of the Social Liability Podcast, the podcast where we discuss those folks in our lives that violate the social contracts that we all agree to live by. I'm your host, Araz, with my co-host, The Buck, bringing you new and interesting stories from the far reaches of the interwebs. And it's an, it's another shorty this week. We've only got uh, like four stories for you, but they're good ones, I think. They're good. I mean, Buck didn't pick them, so 50-50 chance, I guess. Yeah, 50-50. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to sit here and bore everybody with like what's going on with us, but let's get right into this. So we're going to start out with a a story from The Mirror. This is a UK newspaper. <clears throat> Brits livid after Italian bar charges them two euros for cutting their sandwich in half. Now, Buck, you and I differ quite a bit when it comes to the service industry. So I, I, once I read this story, I, I want your opinion of it first. A tourist has been left livid after being charged an extra two euros at a bar in Lake Como because staff cut their sandwich in half. They took to social media to share their disbelief, posting a photo of the receipt. The printout clearly shows that the bar pace has billed them two euros or, uh, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not euros, that's pounds. No, that's euros. And then pounds is the other symbol. So uh, 172 for the privilege of cutting their fancy sandwich in two. Listed as Divisio de Metea, uh, I'm, I'm probably butchering that, the description translates into English as divided in half, pushing the cost of their veggie toast and chips from $7.50 to $9.50. The owner of the bar hit back at the criticism, telling local media that additional requests have a cost. They explained, if a customer asks to make two portions of toast, I have to use two saucers, two napkins, and go to the table using two hands. It's, it's true that the customer is always right, but it's equally true that additional requests have a cost. The unnamed customer took to TripAdvisor, writing that this has never happened to me in any of the places I have visited in the world. When it comes to customers getting nasty at shock when it comes to the when the bill arrives, DK Oyster in Mykonos is arguably in a league of their own. Earlier this year, a couple said they were charged more than double their homes, home country's average monthly salary at a Greek restaurant now notorious for slapping unsuspecting customers with huge bills. This may uh, Oscar Milando and his boyfriend flew from Mykonos from Honduras for a holiday in the sun, but quickly found themselves in a terrible situation. Oscar and his boyfriend claimed they were tempted into DK oysters by the offer of a free sunbed on the beach as long as they bought a drink. Thinking it would prove much cheaper than the high prices being asked from other vendors, they opted for two smoothies to accompany a, uh, a plate of lobster pasta. They were really nice with the service and really good. They made conversation with us. Uh, we ordered non-alcoholic drinks, just getting smoothies. I asked for the price, and they brought the menu over. It was misleading, to say the least. My boyfriend had the lobster pasta. Like many others who were, who've were, who gone public with their claims about the restaurant or written scathing reviews on TripAdvisor, the couple says they were unaware the lobster was charged by the gram. <laughs> They they brought us the biggest lobster. It was a pasta, but the whole part of a lobster. It was a bit. It was a big bit. Uh, the medical doctor continued. I thought it may cost a lot, but I never thought that much. Uh, 
Once they finished eating uh, pasta, Oscar said, It wasn't bad. <laughs> a small piece of paper was slipped onto the table explaining it cost 400 euros or 344 pounds. I went to pay and told the guy, the guy told me the two smoothies were 65 euros each. After that, he said it was 600 euros and he charged me 100 euros for the service charged. I felt tempted to call the police, but I did not want to cause any trouble. So what do you think, Buck? Oh, dude, that is, that is disgusting. That, uh, I, I do have like my own opinion about tipping and labor and, you know, the time value of money, but that pendulum swings both ways and there's no country on this planet where I would pay somebody the equivalent of a dollar and 72 cents at a restaurant to cut my fucking sandwich. I'd give a homeless guy 10 bucks to cut my fucking sandwich before I paid a restaurant a buck 72 to do it. I'm, I guess I'm weird like that, but that to me is wrong, man. That, that's, that's such like gouging type of, of tactics and behaviors, man. Like, well, that, that's, and, and that's, and, and I can guarantee you, it was, it was innocent as, um, can you cut the sandwich in half for me? Thanks. You know, and it, 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 who the hell would ever think that a restaurant would charge you to cut a sandwich in half? But let's put that aside. Let's go to the other place that's got the misleading menu and is trying to charge people astronomical amounts. It, you know, you, you hear about this kind of stuff happening in, uh, like, uh, Singapore and uh, and and. Malaysia, those type of, of, of tourist trap type places. You don't really hear about it happening. Well, I guess it is Honduras. I mean, you've been there, but is it tourist trappy? Um, I I only ever went to the capital, to be honest with you, but it is very tourist trappy. Um, but I know of places like in Cancun. You know, I lived close to there, and. I never heard any fucking story of like of of something that astronomical, but I'm sure it did happen. You know, I I heard of a tourist up in Cancun getting charged thirty four dollars for a uh, for a twelve ounce can of Coke. Yeah, and I mean, and as much as I I, I try to defend other cultures, you know, there, there's and try to like. Uh, People have a tendency to see, and, and I've experienced this myself, they, they see the, the, the white tourist as an easy mark. They see it as, this person obviously has money, which they might not, <laughs> uh, and they're in a foreign country, they don't know any better, and we're going to take advantage of them. I mean, there's, a, there's a big scam in Japan where they have individuals that will... Uh, basically try to get you to come into a bar and you know they'll have a, a you, what you think is a waitress <laughs> come over and and pour your drink for you and sit down and talk to you it's actually a hostess bar and that drink just cost you like fifty dollars and they're gonna keep you there as long as they can and then when you go to leave they're gonna literally threaten to have you arrested if you don't pay the bill 
And here's the thing, they probably will. <laughs> and un unfortunately, uh, it's just, it's, 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 you know, people know that it, it's a bad thing, but they still allow these industries to take place. Um, when I, when I was in China, for example, if, if you get convicted of a crime, uh, against another individual, you know, there's a sentence for that. If you commit that same crime against a tourist, multiply it by 10. So, you know, you had the individuals that were driving the cabs, for example, and you know, uh, my wife, she took a cab and the guy never turned the meter on and she caught on to that. And when they got to where they were going, he quoted, it was like $300. And she, the person she was with is like, just, just pay him, just pay him. And my wife's like, oh, hell no. She took 10 bucks, threw it through the window and said, bye. Because what was he going to do? And the guy was, he, he started to protest and just gave up because he knew that she would just call the, let's call the police. Let's do that. Because, you know, they, he's not actually working for like a cab company. He's working for the state. And right. that means he just stole, he was trying to steal money from the state. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that would not have ended well. But that, that's a common thing, though. Um, it, it's people, and it's, 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 let's just call it a spade a spade. It's primarily white travelers from the U.S. because they see us as an easy mark. Because uh, they, a lot of people like to say, oh, the Americans never travel. They never travel. They never leave their own country. It's because our country is as big as your continent <laughs> in most cases. <laughs> you know, so. is, it's, it's a really good example of racism working two ways. No, it's just racism. You know? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like people, people, people fail to, to fail to realize that like, this is, this is racism. It's just on the other side. I didn't mean two ways, but. I meant on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the coin, you know, we're we're lucky, you know, uh, as as like, you know, your prototypical white guy, like we don't we don't you know we don't experience a lot of that, and uh, and I'm not saying that you didn't recognize it, but other people they kind of fail to realize that it's like, eh. and you also and you, you also get people that don't want to interact with the legal system in another country because the legal system in another country oh, is no. not the same. A lot of people think, oh, like the laws in the U.S. or there's laws everywhere. No, dummy. They're not. Oh, <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I, I was standing in Tiananmen Square and this soldier came up behind us and he was like right up on my ass. Like he, he was trying to like mm -mm, get in there, you know? Um, and everybody in my group just kind of like froze for a minute because they didn't know what was going on. I turned around and there's this soldier like right here looking at me. And then all of a sudden he was like, he just leaned down to my son and goes, hi boy, hi, hi boy. You know, he, he was just literally wanted to like say hello to my son. But everyone froze because right. we didn't know what the hell was going on. And, you know, I am not getting my ass arrested in China. <laughs> now, is he really looking at you like now people can't, you won't see the this on the video version, but I, I just want to know, Raz, was he looking at you like this, or was he looking at you like this? Uh, he, he's he's talking about the height, uh, but the uh, no, the yeah. guy actually, guy was rather tall. Uh, he wasn't quite my height, but he was pretty close. Um, 
I was about ready to say like you were you were talking like he was almost like eye level at you and and I just I was like wow that's actually pretty fucking intimidating especially in China. <laughs> no, now that <laughs> now that was that was like unintentional intimidation. Now in the bank when I was converting currency over, I had to get uh, a certain amount of money in uh, in, in yuan. Uh, we went to the bank and that was an ordeal. But when we went to leave, this security guy stepped in front of me. Now he is like chest height. I mean, he is a tiny dude. He's wearing a flak jacket, not a bulletproof vest, a flak jacket, which does not stop bullets. Let me just throw that out there, okay? Flak jackets don't stop bullets. They stop shrapnel. Uh, they're just using airplanes. <laughs> anyway, and he's got this like enormous club it's almost as big as he is. And he's yelling at me in Chinese, or Mandarin or Cantonese, I'm not sure which. And uh, he's just blah, 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 going off. And I'm like, apparently, you know, the only thing that anybody heard was, son, you're going to need more than that stick. <laughs> uh, apparently, my tour guide teleported and manifested himself between us. And started talking to this guy a thousand miles an hour. Turns to me and goes, goes back. It goes, looks at me and goes, go back to the hotel. And he's talking to this guy. <laughs> and I have no idea what it is this guy thought I did, or what his rationale was for the way he was acting. But it's just <laughs> my stupid ass, you know, basically says, "All right, let's do this." <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it all worked out. To this day, though, I still have no idea what was going on. None whatsoever. Yeah, but oh man, that's that's uh, that's intimidating, dude. Like <laughs> that is that is, man, dude. I just know that when whenever I lived in third world countries, I was a fucking giant. You know, I I lived in Central and South America, or not lived in South America. I traveled there. But I lived in Mexico for, you know, whatever amount of time. And you and I, and, I, I think, before you uh, decided to live the chair life, I think you and I were the same I'm, height. I'm 6'2". Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so, and I was 6'2 and 270 pounds back then, man. And I'll tell you what scared the fuck out of me is when I saw somebody down there staring at me and looking at me eye level. I actually did not like that. I, I I'm like damn, like you're a big fucking dude, a big ass Mexican. Like you're, <laughs> like you're a big fucking dude, but everybody else, man, I'm like a head taller, and I'm like yeah, great. Can't pick me out in the lineup. <laughs> it's like God. All right, let's go to a, a more. Uh, let's go to a, this. This next one's really short, but it was funny. Uh, Toronto man charged after disguising cannabis as frozen waffles while entering the U.S. <laughs> a 22-year-old man from what's that? I said that's that's kind of not ingenious. Well, a 22-year-old man from Toronto was arrested at the Niagara Falls border after U.S. officials say he was smuggling marijuana into the U.S. disguised as waffles. Let me stop right there. Who the hell still smuggles marijuana into the United States? I mean, seriously. It is so... It's, it's legal in most places. Um, other than uh, the, the, the maggots, there's no place that you, you can't get it. 
and you know <laughs> it's 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 simple it's not illegal in most cases in most states there's provisions to grow your own cannabis so why why and tw- Ugh, I, I just don't and how much was it except there was a 110 oh wait a minute Oh, see, and they're, now they're just kind of they're kind of hiding it a little bit. Give me pounds of marijuana he was trying to bring in. Uh, I'd say like maybe a hundred fifty. Two thousand and eighty-nine. Holy shit, that's a lot of egos, man. <laughs> Lego my ego, but he also had one hundred and ten pounds of ketamine as well. But we're not going to mention that because it's not as funny. In a release from the United States Attorney's Office for the Western District of New York, officials say the man was crossing the Peace Bridge in Niagara Falls. How with that much? Uh, It says he has a small semi-trailer and customs documents indicating he was taking frozen waffles to Georgia. The shipper confirmed the waffles were fraudulent, and upon inspection, border agents found 2,089 of the green leafy substance consistent with marijuana in 100 pounds of ketamine, according to the release. Investigators learned that the accused had uh, been behind five prior fraudulent shipments. The release states that the charge carries a minimum penalty of five years in prison and a maximum of 40 years and a $5 million fine. <laughs> Shit. I mean, oh, it, it sounds, it, you know, you're, when, you're, when you see like the, the headline, it sounds like he's just like coming across with like some. Stuff like shaped like waffles, but no, apparently he had a semi truck full of pot and ketamine. Oh wow, just wow! But again, I I I ask, you know, why? You know, there's legal grow operations that have acres upon acres upon acres of pot growing in this country legally. Why would you need to smuggle pot in? Yeah, and and like I don't know if he was really going to Georgia, but I fucking hope not. Yeah, Georgia's not where you want to go. Georgia's one of those states that's still actually, but it's still a felony in Georgia, right? No, it's actually well, I don't, I don't, I don't exactly know, but I don't think it's that harsh. But it, the fact of the matter is, like, that's a lot of ground to cover, and whoever and. And I'm just going to go, like, I know in my heart of hearts that that, there's just no way he was on his way from Canada to fucking Georgia with a bunch of weed and some ketamine. Like, there's, there is nothing about that amount of distance that, that makes that, that purchase or sale even worth it. Like, but, but either way, for, for lack of anything of a better destination, you know what 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 why would you need to tr- like why would you need to cover that much ground between Canada and fucking Georgia when if you were in Georgia and needed that much weed you could just go to like North Carolina you could probably go to like from 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 like Savannah to Athens or like you know the suburbs of Savannah to like Savannah proper, I mean, like I I can't I can't because because Raz is right, man. Like Raz, you're right. It's just so prevalent. There's so many grow operations that are legal. Like you don't have to pay some skeefy driver 
You know, as far as ketamine goes, like, I'm not experienced, nor do I know very much about it. But I know that they're advertising the shit as a fucking therapeutic method online. You see TikToks about the shit all the fucking time. So, you know, uh, I can't imagine it being like... Ketamine's a lot like, um, well, any other prescription drug, really, but... um, Oh, uh, what the hell was it? God damn it, not, I can't remember the name of it. The stupid patches. Uh, fentanyl? Fentanyl, yeah. Uh, fentanyl. Fentanyl has a very useful purpose. But it's also, if you don't need it, you can get high. <laughs> so, people... Well, and that's and that's the thing. So, you know, it's, it's probably not something that it sounds like would require a smuggler to procure 110 pounds of. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would. <laughs> That's a that is a lot of ketamine. Ketamine's okay. one of those you, you know you, you know in the hospital when they have that little tiny vial that they pull out to put the to, to load the syringe. That's how it comes packaged. Okay, so can you imagine? And and one of those ampules you know is enough for a, a while. Uh, so yeah, that's a lot of ketamine. <laughs> like a lot. Oh, I don't know. I don't like I said I don't know anything about it, but either way, you know, well, you know what? Maybe they were smuggling the ketamine and just said throw some weed in the truck too. Maybe. All right, Buck. Mm. You and I have both used to live uh, near the booming metropolitan known as Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, uh, about the size of a postage stamp. But unfortunately, uh, most of the year, it is hard to drive in that town. It was never designed for the amount of traffic it gets due to tourism. You know, the bloodiest battle ever fought on American soil. Uh, it, it, it's and, and the battlefield is beautiful. I do enjoy going to the battlefield. Uh, but, it, you know, it gets inundated with tourists. And I don't know, you were close to Gettysburg. You were in another town. Uh, most people that didn't live there avoided the town like the plague during the summer. Did you? Uh I've never even been to Gettysburg in the summer until I started working at the jail or the prison. Yeah. It's so just, no, you, you don't, I, you I don't, don't. you just, you just don't. And it's because tourists are idiots <laughs> and usually don't have any respect for where they're at. That's, that's one of the big things. And, you know, tourists in other countries are no exception. So, you know, <laughs> this is coming from Yahoo News as tourists' idiotic act on the beach leaves locals shaking their heads. The silly antics of several tourists at the seaside town had locals rolling their eyes, questioning the visitors' lack of common sense. Despite being plenty of parking around Newquay in Cornwall, England, three cars of tourists decided to drive right onto the beach and soon needed assistance to get out. One local man was left laughing as he spotted cars stranded on the beach saying, Idiot summer has begun. Connor Duffy, 33, a chief of the uh, Newquay Cornwall, was baffled after spotting the vehicles drive onto the Tawan Beach. Thousands of visitors visit each year, but locals aren't always pleased by how they treat their town. They all drove down together. Don't look like they knew each other as they were all in separate cars. Then they had to get two RNLI trucks to leave their posts of lifeguarding to come sort them out. They had to be pulled out by locals as no tractors could be called in. <laughs> they had no they had to clear the ramp and they each took turns speeding up the beach onto the ramp getting uh, without getting stuck again. Lifeguards tried to sort it out as quickly as possible and did so, 
Uh, Connor said the crowd soon gathered and cheered when the three cars were finally removed from the deep sand and taken up the ramp. <laughs> Just shows common sense. Italy isn't that common. Happens at least once a week due to tourists not reading the signs and thinking they are fine to do so. In what world is it okay just to drive on to the public beach? Uh, just shows common sense, not common. <laughs> it's the same with the bins on the beaches. Tourists put still burning coals in the bins and set it on fire. Fire engines are down all the time over the summer because people don't know how to go to the beach safely. Shame, really, but it was funnier to watch than anything too serious. Some people say entitled people, but it's just a bunch of silly people who just don't think very hard. <laughs> I like that. It is just a bunch of silly people so, that just don't think very hard. So in, in, in the center of Gettysburg, for example, there was a, uh, a roundabout. Everyone referred to it as the square. Okay, it was round, so why we called it the square, I don't know. But it was a, it was a roundabout. The way you use a roundabout is traffic already on the circle has the right of way. You yield to traffic already on the circle. So people would pull up and have no idea when to pull out in the traffic. Sometimes they just pull out in front of people. Uh, there was accidents, like little minor fender benders all the time. There was a crosswalk on each side. That confused the hell out of people because they didn't know you had to stop for fucking pedestrians. And then if you wait long enough, a couple times a day, you'll get some idiot who instead of driving all the way around it to make make the left we'll just simply drive the wrong way so he can go up the road the direction he wants to go in the quickest manner possible then you have the idiots that, 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 that go on the battlefield just drive out onto the grass you know around them so you can get closer to the monuments not have to worry about i don't know walking <laughs> you know uh and it's it's quite chaotic and it's you know it's they're they're at least trying to be like playing it off but no, I mean, tourists were the bane of your existence if you live in a tourist town. It's just the way it is. Let me ask you a question that's kind of off topic about Gettysburg, man. Is that protected by, like, the federal parks? Or is that, like, a part of the DCNR? That is a national park. So it is uh, the National that's Park Service. Park. Yep. And, national Park Yeah, And the NPS actually has jurisdiction on the battlefield itself. And they have reciprocity with uh, the Gettysburg Borough Police, so they can actually go into town too. Uh, and a lot, they also own a lot of buildings downtown too that were taken over for historical reasons, like the the hotel that Lincoln stayed in the night before the Gettysburg Address, where he wrote the Gettysburg Address, um, is actually on the square in town. And they also own a lot of other buildings. There's a big competition right now, but who's going to own the most buildings? The NPS or the college? Because they're buying everything up that they possibly can. They even bought the hotel on the square. Yeah, that's supposed to be secret. They, they don't want people to know that, but they did. They bought the hotel on the square. So if anybody's in the area is still listening to the show, uh, pass the word. <laughs> All right, Buck, we got one more story. This is coming from WSB TV, celebrating 75 years. This is an Atlanta uh, TV station. The city mistakenly tore down this man's home. Now they are suing him for $68,000 in demolition costs. <laughs> First, the city demolished his home. Now they are trying to foreclose on the property to pay for the $68,000 in demolition costs. The whole time, an Atlanta man said the paperwork had the wrong address on it. I'm not going to let the city take this from me. I'm going to fight them tooth and nail. 
It's just an empty lot now, but the city demolished his southwest Atlanta home. Uh, now, Tripodis? Tripodis? Okay. Uh, told Channel 2 cust uh, consumer investigator Justin Gray that he has been served with a lawsuit from the city of Atlanta saying they intend to foreclose and take the property. When I saw that they came from the city, I was quite excited. Maybe it was a letter of apology. Maybe it was a check. Maybe they're just going to compensate me. I open her up and realize that they're suing me. Gray first reported in March how before tearing down the house, the city sent notices that a city inspector found his house unfit for habitation to the wrong address. Certified letters were returned to sender. Even the official demolition hearing notice was for Lawton Avenue, zip code 30314, but Tripodis his home is on Lawton Street, which is in zip code 30310, about a mile, 1.4 miles away. A review of the city's demolition or in-rem process reported to the council in April that they found some property owners were unaware their homes were up for demolition. But now, even after the problems were flagged to city leaders, Tripodis got served with a lawsuit. The city's alleging that the property should be sold at public outcry unless one or more of the interested parties tenders the full uh, redemption amount. The amount with interest is now more than $68,000 in demolition costs. After you aired the story, after everyone sees it, instead of trying to fix the problem, they double down and do it again. It's like a slap in the face, then they come along and spit in your face. It's just frustrating. Uh, the man has already filed a lawsuit against the city for the demolition. That's still stuck in the Fulton County system. He only has a matter of weeks to respond to the foreclosure suit. That's yeah, he sues them. It's going to take two years to go to trial, but when they sue him, you got a couple weeks, fucker. Uh, Gray contacted the mayor's office about the story, and they tell us they will research the situation. <laughs> wow! wow. <laughs> so they tear down the wrong house. They send all the notices to a different address, and uh... <laughs> now they're going to sue him for their fuck up. Way to go! Good job, Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. Like, that is just... I can't even believe that they tried that. Like, what... What? I don't know what their legal argument would be to sue him for tearing down his house by mistake and then suing him for the cost. Like, I just don't even... I'm trying to imagine, like, what kind of crooked fucking judge you'd have to get to sit on that. Well, that's the thing. So what will probably end up happening is he will sue the city and he'll sue the individuals. The, the individuals will claim uh, governmental immunity and they won't be able to be sued. So it'll just be the city itself. The city itself will tie it up in litigation for years in hopes that the guy just can't afford to pay his attorneys anymore. So they'll tie it up for as long as possible. Now, when it comes to suing him for the demolition costs, that's actually quite common. Uh, what a lot of towns will do is if they uh, end up getting an order to demolish a residence because it's uh, deemed to be a public nuisance, they will do so and then bill the, uh, the property owner. In the municipality I worked for, they had a similar scheme going on, but they would actually go to the property owner first and say, listen, we're going to, demolish the house you can demolish it or we can demolish it and either you're going to pay for the bill or you can sign the property over to us 
and that's what happened most times. They just sign the property over and be done with it. Uh, but in in this particular instance, you know, it, it, what what is very telling about this whole situation is they've already got their case being heard immediately, but his case is going to take for like it's going to take years before he gets any kind of resolution. And like I said, the individuals will all claim governmental immunity, which I can't see why they wouldn't be granted it. Uh, I don't. I think it's stupid. I don't think it should exist, but it, it does. Uh, so they'll get qualified immunity, and the city will just, like I said, they'll drag it out as long as possible. Hope of just wearing the guy down. That's disgusting. It is. And I think it's a Fourth Amendment violation. Uh, no, not Fourth. Fourth, which, which is the takings clause. I don't know. I know it's 14th, not... 14th Amendment. Yeah, the takings clause of the 14th Amendment. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, you cannot be, uh, nothing can be taken from you without being um, compensated. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that is definitely infringement. I mean, he's got a 1983 lawsuit on his hands right there, so, you know, hopefully he gets it. <laughs> hopefully he gets yeah. it. Something like the Institute for Justice kicks it, like, take, like takes up his case. Um, if anybody's ever, like, interested in, in these types of things, like I actually am. I, I love reading about these type and, like, hearing stuff about these. Uh, there's a group called the Institute for Justice. It's IJ.com, or org, rather. Uh, if you're ever looking for, like, you need to make a charitable donation of some kind, I recommend the Institute for Justice. Uh, they take on uh, government oversteps a lot, <laughs> so I'll definitely check them out. Uh, that all being said, Buck, I think we've come to an end of another episode. Uh, if you're still interested in the show, make sure you're liking, subscribing, telling a friend, and uh, drop us an email and let us know what you think. I mean, just, just any kind of <laughs> affirmation is good for us at this point. Uh, that all being said, folks, I am the Raz, he is the Buck, wishing you all a happy and safe week, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Social Liability Podcast.